Hello, everybody, and welcome to the newest episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, and I am excited to have you with us for another week. I've got one of my favorite authors on the show this week, one Miss Natasha Larry. Uh, you know, of course, all the authors that I've had on the show are are wonderful, amazingly talented writers, and they're people that I adore as people but also uh, respect and enjoy as, as writers. And so I'm really happy to help get their names out to you guys who may not know them, or if you've heard of them, to maybe uh, let you know that they've got new projects. Um, I've, had, I've got Natasha on a little bit early. Her v- book is not available quite yet, but it is available for pre-order, so you can go ahead and lock your order in and get the book on the day that it hits the, the Amazon shelves, as it were. Uh, I guess we still call them shelves in the digital world. Uh, and, and it's not right to say that a book drops because I think music drops and books are released. I'm not sure. The terminology is getting, you know, a little out of hand these days. But in any case, uh, the Amazon link will be in the show notes. I believe it's only available on Kindle. I did forget to ask her that. Uh, but I will, uh, I will have the link available for pre-order. Um, I have not read this book yet myself, but I've read several others of hers, and she's a very talented, keep-you-on-the-edge-of-your-seat, pretty much the whole time writer. And I love that kind of stuff. I don't like to read, you know, 20 pages of history uh, about a character because they saw a glint of sunlight and it reminded them of some childhood thing. That drives me nuts. Keep the pacing going. Keep it moving, and and you'll keep me hooked. But that's just me. Everybody has their own uh, style as a writer and as a reader, things that they enjoy, things that they don't enjoy. So uh, anyway, check out Natasha's new book. I'm sure that you will uh, love her after this interview if you don't already. Couple things uh, going on here. I do have a new uh, Facebook page for the Haskin Cast podcast. The links are in the show notes. If you sign up this month uh, until the end of March of 2019, and I say that because I don't know when you're listening to this, you could be listening at some date well past that. So uh, up to March, the end of March 2019, if you sign up for the Haskin Cast podcast like page, just go to the link. Click the like button and you will be entered into a contest to win a flash drive with all five of my Mental Sauna albums on it. So, of course, I'm hoping to draw you into the podcast page. You're already listening. You're checking it out. So hopefully you're interested in it and you will go to that page and have a chance of winning a flash drive with five entire albums on it. Uh, one is a Christmas album. One is geared towards maternity, but the music itself is universal beyond that. Uh, one is an EP with five extended play uh, songs that are just under 10 minutes each. Uh, and I did that because of distribution purposes, but they are uh, recorded in A432 instead of A440, which it is believed is meant to be more in tune with the human body. And I also did the same with the maternity album. Uh, then there's the original two, the two that started it all off. So you'll get the artwork, you'll get the music, and hopefully a lot of enjoyment and relaxation. This is especially good if you're doing yoga, if you're into meditation, if you just need something to help you sleep, if you just want a calming background in your home. 
these albums are kind of designed for all of those things. I've had a lot of people too that they bring mental sauna with them on their phone or their MP3 player when they travel, uh, because being in strange places in a different, uh, uncomfortable bed, uh, or, you know, just kind of their surroundings are different than what you're used to. Uh, some people have a hard time sleeping when they're on the road. So they bring mental sauna with them. Other people have put it on their birthing playlist, which is where I got the idea to do the maternity album, which I will be doing a separate podcast on here soon. It is on my list. Uh, I've got a couple things I promised people ahead of it. So I have to get those done first and then I'll do the maternity podcast. Um, so that's it. Click the link, go there, and uh, you'll automatically be entered if you are someone who is showing that they have liked the page at the end of the month. Uh, hopefully you'll stay on after that. Got lots more episodes coming up, lots of cool things and wonderful guests on the way. Uh, so this week is Natasha, and I hope that you enjoy her uh, interview. Now, before we start the interview, I had the pleasure of going and seeing a taping of Penn & Teller Fool Us, which is hosted by Allison Hannigan, which you may know from Buffy the Vampire Slayer and the American Pie movies. I've not seen any of those movies, but I did love the Buffy show. I thought her character was great on it. I know she's done a lot of other work as well. Um, but it was uh, it was really amazing. And I have to give her credit because when I watched the the taping, and I can't really say too much about it because we're all signed, you know, non-disclosure agreements, which is perfectly fair. Um, but you can you can see on the show when you watch the show itself that she asks one or two questions of the magician after they've done their trick, and then turns to Penn and Teller. And I can tell you that sometimes they actually go over the trick quite a bit before uh, before the. Uh, she asked them for their response and she really works hard to, uh, you know, engage the guest, engage the audience, keep things rolling while they're trying to figure things out. And I mean, these guys are, they've been doing this forever, you know, and, uh, Penn started out with more of the carnival side of, of, uh, the entertainment industry and Penn, uh, or sorry, Teller was a magician, uh, and when they got together, their act really became something unique because it brought both worlds together. Uh, and they're both so good at what they do. It's really, really amazing. And it's it's uh, really nice to be there. I'd met Penn one time very briefly at a show uh, that he was doing outside of the Penn & Teller thing. Uh, really nice guy. Very, very intelligent. Um, you can You can see why they have attained the level of success that they have. And I'm very, very excited for, for them to... Uh, have entertained probably millions of people by now, if not somewhere in the the billion range over the forty or so years they've been together. So you know it's uh, it's pretty amazing to be in the, in the presence of people that have achieved that. Uh, very nice, very wonderful people, and I was really grateful to go to the taping. It was an absolutely wonderful evening. Uh, they were running late, which television shows often do. Uh, so it was another you know hour and a half, I think, before I got in the theater to see uh, the the particular magicians that I saw, and I saw I think four or five all really skilled people, absolutely amazing. But the way it's going to work is that, of course, you know, these people, their their uh, episodes will be spread over different television shows because of timing and all that. Um, the acts go on as long as they go on. So when they're, when they're putting the show together, of course, they have to make a 50-minute or 45-minute or however long the show is. Um, so they, they have to move the guests around until they get formats that fit that number 
uh, to reach to a complete show. And then uh, at the end, Penn, Penn uh, came out and did a, a very, very fascinating trick. But it was really neat to be there. Uh, great to see everyone. Allison was in great form. Penn and Teller were on top of every little thing. Uh, just amazing. Even knowing what you know, uh, and they've been fooled before, but it's just amazing how much they see and how careful they are at explaining it because they don't want to give anything away for the audience, even though they always give it away. They just don't give away other people's tricks, which is certainly highly respectable to, to me. Uh, but if you get, get a chance to see it, watch the show, I think uh, the new season they said will come out sometime in the summer. And then the uh, the magicians that I saw will be on more towards the end of the year because they're towards the end of uh, filming the season. In fact, they just have a, a couple more dates. So uh, very cool. If you, and you, you know, if you get these chances in life, take them. They're really awesome and they don't come around a lot. So if you get a chance in life to see something really cool or experience something cool, go do it. That's my advice. Uh, there's so much I've passed up on. Um, because everything is trade. I, I've said this before, uh, you're trading your time for whatever other thing that you want to do, or you're trading going from one thing uh, and not going to another because you find more interest. And that, I'm bringing this to the point of Natasha, I would love to read every one of her books because they are phenomenal. Every one of them I've read, I've absolutely loved. And it's it's one of those things where I don't want to do anything else. I actually want to lock myself down and read it, which is why I don't. Uh, because for me... As, as much as I love it, um, I'm not really willing to trade the time of the things that I have going on and the projects that I'm working on to do anything that's not that. So uh, it, it's hard for me because I'm, I'm sacrificing the joy of experiencing some really amazing stories. Uh, and, and with the other authors I've had on with, you know, with Jeff and with Tracy and uh, with Lindsay, and it, it sucks, but that's the choice. You know, for me, I've just got too many things I want to accomplish in life. Uh, and I do miss reading, but I enjoy working on these projects more than I enjoy reading. So that's kind of where things are at. Maybe at some point I'll slow down and I'll read more. And if so, I have a hell of a lot of books to catch up on. So that being said, uh, I, I really look forward to Natasha releasing this book. It's the second in this series, and she's going to tell us all about that. So let's get, uh, let's get Natasha on. All right, everybody, without further ado, let's go ahead and bring Natasha onto the show. Natasha, how are you doing today? I'm good. Excellent. How are you? I'm good, thank you. It's been a crazy busy week here, but yeah. uh, I'm really glad that uh, I finally get to talk to you. Me too. We've known each other for, God, years now. Yes. But this is the first time we've actually spoken. Yeah, on the phone, yeah. And I've heard your voice because I've, I listen to your podcast, but... I've never heard your voice talking to me directly. <laughs> so and now you're part of a much larger world. Yes. <laughs> my my world has been opened up and now I I can die happy. I would have thought your voice. Uh, thank you. I, I would have <laughs> thought attaining like a best selling author status might have done that, but if it was um, my voice that sent you over the edge, then yay. It was it was definitely your voice. Definitely. <laughs> Well, I feel accomplished now. <laughs> Let, let's uh, let's talk about that. I mean, obviously, I, I've known you uh, as an author for for some time, and I love 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 your work. But thank what, you. What does it take to attain a best selling author status? Because you're New York Times. That's that's the big time. Yeah. Um, 
even know if I could tell you a lot of hard work. Sure. Um, a lot. You got to be willing to do what you got to do, like lose sleep, um, bug people to buy your book, research how to sell that book. Um, and you have to do it for, well, because I did it in a box set. And we just pushed for that pre-order period every single day. Like, no one let up. And that's a lot of work for, um, what, 20 authors to do. Everyone pushing every day. And then, like, for the release week, you got to push even harder. And by that time, you're just like, oh, I just want to be done. I want to know, you know. But you can't. You just got to focus on every every sale is important. So you got to you got to focus on getting that next sale. It's not easy. Oh no, no, that's a lot of grinding. <laughs> yeah. Uh, are are reviews a big part of that, or is it really just based on sales? Um, in my experience, it was based on sales. The, I'm sure the re- the reviews helped, mm-hmm. but uh, the cover and the blurb, uh, I would say, had uh a much uh, bigger part to do than, than the reviews that came out. So you got, you got to have um, a best selling blurb and a cover or else no one's going to look at it. And no one's going to want to click on it if the blurb sucks. So you gotta. That's true. And, and I think people a lot of times tend to underestimate the importance of the cover art. I mean, if it's not eye catching, you're less likely to click on it and even see what the blurb says. If you don't have a good cover, you don't have anything. Yeah. You might as well not. You be the best writer out there. No one's going to care if your cover sucks because they're not going to buy it. That's very true. Very Especially true. if you're an indie author. No way. Like if you're known, double cover. Yeah. Indie author, because there's so much competition and there are so many good covers. You can't come with like a like a second rate cover you have to have an eye-catching cover very true and and you're right there is a lot of competition because it's so accessible to self-publish now yeah yep whereas it's an advantage for people like us but at the same point it's a detriment at the same time it's you know yeah what can you do it can feel it can feel like there are so many people doing what i'm doing how am i gonna stand out how am i gonna you know so yeah, it's it's it, there's definitely an advantage, uh, but there's a big disadvantage as well. Sure. And do you did you feel that after you attained the best selling author status, did that help you with your solo release books as well? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I definitely. So. Yeah. Not at first, because you know, first you have to wait for the sell through, and you know, you have to continue to build build your list. But with each new release, I can try to think of how to explain it. I can spend less money selling the book because people will just buy it. I'll send it out in a newsletter or I'll post about it on social media and they'll just buy it because they are familiar with my work, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, once you have a dedicated fan base, then they just need to be alerted. I mean... It, it, yep. Stephen King probably doesn't have to do a whole lot of marketing. He just has to say, hey, I'm putting something out April 3rd and yeah. people will be yeah. all over it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Don't quite have it like that. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to start somewhere. But yeah, yeah, I can I can tell a difference. Right. Definitely. Now, to do yeah. uh, a little bit of, of promotion ahead of time, your newest book, Gods and Freaks, which is the second of your Gods of Summerland series, uh, doesn't hit until March 22nd. But can you give us an idea of what this book is about? Um, it's about a family of gods. They're in a small town in Slaughter, Mississippi. Um, and in the second book, the main character is trying to track down uh, one of the monsters that escaped from his case because that monster wants to take on his role um, of keeper of monsters because she doesn't feel that he deserves it. She thinks he's naive. And so he, he already let one monster escape a dangerous monster. There were consequences. And so in the first book, she kind of (laughs) gives him some false information so that she could set her self up to like take his role. And so that's where we're at. You you're going to meet his father who's not pleased <laughs> with with what he's doing. <laughs> it's kind of like, hey, you know, why are you letting these, like, why are you letting this happen? You know, it's kind of making the family look bad. Right. It's going to be a lot of fun because I get to develop this relationship between mystery and justice. Um, that I, because I didn't really get a chance to do it in the first book because I was so focused on him and his family, but now I can focus on their relationship. It's going to be a lot of fun because when they touch the portal oh, into different dimensions. And so that's just going to be a lot of fun to be able to create so many worlds. Just, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about it. That's a really, uh, really wide open canvas to explore. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's really fun. (laughs) <laughs> do you find that be- because you've been involved in uh, in a lot of uh, series as opposed to uh, and, and you also write individual novels, but do you find with mm-hmm. a series that you can really, really get in depth and explore all kinds of things that you can't really do in just one book? Oh, yeah, definitely. Is that part of the attraction? I think that's why readers prefer a series. I know a lot of readers that won't read uh, standalone novels, so... Oh, and like they just refuse? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I know a lot of readers now that are, are like, well, we want even longer series. And that puts the pressure on the author because it's, you know, it can be hard to come up with that much material and keep it fresh and keep each book better than the last can be hard. And on top of that, your works are intense from beginning to end. There's not a lot of breathing time for your characters. So it's like, they're always (laughs) going, how do you write book after book after book uh, with the same story with that kind of pace? Oh, you know, practice. Um, I, I learned to write from writers that were much better than that are much better than me. And they made it look so easy. And you know, Rainy. Yeah. She's the one that really taught me to, you know, you got to from the first line, grab them and don't let go until the book is over. It it can be 
hard to do, but you you also there's an advantage because you don't get to the middle of the book and you're because a lot of writers get to the middle of the book and they're like, oh, I don't know what to write here. Oh, like they run out of steam. Yeah, yes, because that's that's why it's always easier to start a book than to than to keep it going. Um, just practice. You got to read writers that do it. You got to I you know, even when I'm watching a series, I pay attention to how the writers of of a certain show keep the action, keep the suspense going throughout the entire episode. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be like as long as you're keeping it interesting, it doesn't have to be all actiony or Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. As long as you're as long as you keep something interesting on the page, uh, it'll keep the pages flipping. So Exactly. That's that's just practice. It's not it's something that you have to practice. It really is. Well, yeah, it, it yeah. really is a skill to keep a reader engaged, especially nowadays, yeah. because they might be curled up on the couch with a book, but you know their phone is right next to them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's you know? a good point. I never even thought of that. <laughs> you know, I, I've told the story on the show before about um, like when I go to a movie theater and mm-hmm. all of a sudden at some point, I'll just kind of shake myself out of being engrossed in the story and realize I'm sitting in a movie theater. But up until that point, from the time that they grabbed me, I didn't realize I'm a physical existence sitting in a chair in a movie theater because I'm just in the story. And there yeah. might be times to kind of let people out a little bit before like before the big climax or whatever like give them a right moment. but it, yeah. it, in a book it's hard to get them to pick that book up again if yeah. you've let them down exactly yeah yeah well yeah. i one of, one of my favorite books of yours uh and i've read i've only gotten a chance to read a few because i just as much as i would love to i just don't have as much time to read as i would like but yeah. my favorite was the night i absolutely love mm-hmm. that book I wanted that to be a thousand book series that I wouldn't have time to read. Oh, <laughs> that I wouldn't have time to read. The, the pace, well, the pace, the first of all, your main character, Kinsley was absolutely engaging from, from the first minute you were introduced to her. You, right. You just want to, you know, follow everything that she does. And mm-hmm. it was so well crafted that I think I read that whole thing in probably two days. Yeah. That's what, that's, um, the, the feedback I get from that book is is people tend to sit down and not get up until they're finished with that one. So yeah, well, it's just one Yay, of those where yeah. you have to you, you you have to know what happens next, and you convince right. yourself, okay, I'm going to read one more page. Oh well, there's yeah. only two pages in this chapter. <laughs> okay, well then I'll read one more chapter, and then the next thing you know, the sun has come up, you've lost your job, and, <laughs> you know, and then you have time to read. Great bookworm problems yes (laughs) (laughs) and and this was i mean this obviously the title leads you to believe the the truth of the story is this all takes place really within the span of one evening and just obviously so much happens to her in that time but the pacing was incredible yeah did you you find that by the time that you got to writing that book that that was a very natural thing for you to do or is it sometimes do you still struggle with that okay now what do i do with her well before i wrote the night I I had a problem opening books. Like I've never I've never been a bad writer, but I I used to have trouble getting and keeping uh readers interested. And then 
after I wrote the night, it just it it it's become second nature to just to write in a way that keeps readers interested. So um, I don't I don't know. I think it's because thinking about it and well, it's just one night, so I just have to get her through like one night and I have to make this night really, really interesting because mm-hmm. it's just one night. Right. Maybe that had something to do with, with, it was just really natural to write. Mm-hmm. It felt every, every second of writing it felt really natural and really fun. And like, I couldn't, it was, I couldn't wait to come back and write more and, you know, Oh, I'm tired, but uh, if I can just write one more paragraph and <laughs> right. You yeah. know? Yeah. So yeah, that, that was a really fun one to write. Well, I'm really glad that you said that because when, when I was reading it, it didn't feel forced. It didn't feel right. like you had to throw her into another situation. So you made a, a way to make it work. It really yeah. felt like a very natural pro- pro- progression of yeah. just an insane situation. Right. Well, I spent a lot of time thinking about that book because it wasn't, I had the idea. I sat down and write it. I, I had a, like a, a basic idea for a, a story like that, that I wanted to tell. And it was just in the back of my mind and it never really went away, but I never really did anything with it. And then I think, um, I had a chance to be a part of a box set that was about witches. And I was like, huh, well, that book that I wanted to write was about witches. And so it kind of, it, it kind of like gave me a deadline. So I was like, okay, so now I have to kind of get this started. It started with, I really want to tell a story about, uh, I want to tell a love story. That's not, that doesn't end happily, you know? Right. And, you know, and I want the reason that I'm trying to, it's really hard for me to explain. Uh-huh. I, I knew I wanted magic involved because uh, magic helped me fix the problem of, okay, well, the main character does this to him, but how is she going to then be able to talk to him? So there has to be some kind of magical element involved. And I've always loved Halloween. I was like, well, you know, that's Day of the Dead. So if he winds up being dead the whole time, that'll work. And that's basically how it started. And then I just had to go and make it all make sense. So that I had to build who she was. Like, well, I asked myself, what kind of person, you know, would put themselves in a situation where they could do that to someone, hit someone? And not necessarily deal with it. What kind of person would she be? She'd probably be kind of irresponsible, um, really overly sensitive, uh, and so that's where the the drug habit that she deals with in the book that's where that came from. Okay. And yeah, so I just everything kind of built because I had to explain my broad idea. Right. <laughs> And so every explanation that I came up with then um, helped me build another part of that world, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. And maybe that was kind of the the key because it really did feel so natural. And obviously the way it was written would bring about that result. Yeah, it was really fun. 
Yeah. Now I kind of want to go back and. <laughs> well, that was going to be again. my next I'm question. So is, excited. You know, are, are, is that a character that you think that you would ever revisit? Everybody wants me to. But do you? I feel like if I did, it, it would just. It would kind of um, be cop out because I wanted it to end the way it did. And if I go back and add to it, then it's not going to end the way it did. And people were like, well, you can do a prequel. I'm like, well, that's just easy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I don't know about you, but I'm not, I'm not that big of a fan of prequels because you, Me neither. you know how they, what the eventual outcome is. Exactly. So there's no real stakes in the story. Exactly. I don't really care what you used to be. Because yeah. I, fell, I fell in love with the character as you are now. Mm-hmm. So I don't really care what, you know. <laughs> well, it, it might I, be a little off track now after this last year. But I know that, that prior to this year, there was one Star Wars prequel for every Star Wars movie. Oh, yeah. And I thought, yeah, yeah the, the stories are kind of interesting. But at the same point, it's like, but I already know how it ends. So exactly. I don't need to worry about these people. I haven't watched any of them. So any ever like there's not that burning desire to go see it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> well, I grew up with it. It was that was my generation was when Star Wars, the first Star Wars came out. Right. And so yeah. that's been kind of a part of my whole life. But if you've kind right. of, you know come after that then yeah i could see that and now they're just yeah. i don't know they've they've kind of ruined it for me now <laughs> so i i'm good now for the rest of my life i'm sorry no no it's fine uh but you know i, I heard solo was good okay i heard it was <laughs> i'll just worth save it a watch <laughs> i you know i that was like my last ditch effort uh it was was watching solo and it's on netflix and so i thought right. well i'll i'll watch it and i actually uh usually when i have something on i'm doing other things i'm doing marketing i'm doing you know reaching yes. out to people or whatever Me uh, too. so i watch i have the movie on the other monitor while i'm doing that stuff but mm-hmm. i actually kind of took the majority of the time to give this movie a chance and i thought the cast is good um but i just i was like you know it just seems so forced Right. It was like, this is yeah. the outcome we have to have. So how are we going to arrive at that? Exactly. And exactly. I just, I just couldn't follow it. It just, it just, they lost <laughs> me in like 20 minutes into the movie. And I, then it was And just... that's my favorite character, Han. So I just, I was like, no, no. Yeah. I can't watch somebody else play him. Right. That's one. Yeah. So no, thank you. Well, and, but everybody's and... like, no, it's so good. You need to, nope, I'm good. And he was my favorite like... too, because, you know, like Luke was the good guy. And Han yeah. was a good guy, but he was still kind of rock and roll. You know, he was like, exactly. I'm going to do things my own way. And I, I wanted to fly the Millennium Falcon. realistic. Exactly. I, I wanted to fly the yeah. Falcon far more than the X-Wing or be a Jedi. Uh, exactly. Because he's kind of a yes. lone wolf, you know, with his little sidekick. Yeah. Um, yeah. Chewie. Chewie. My other favorite character. Just because. I have a bone to pick with Chewie. But why is he your favorite character? Because he's adorable and so loyal. Definitely. You know? Definitely. I just love him. Just gives me good feelings, good vibes. I could I could get behind that. But what yeah. bothers me is in all these years that he spent with Han, could he not learn to speak any English whatsoever? <laughs> not one word, not hello, nothing. I've never even thought about that, but yeah. Well, I spend a it lot of time alone. Question. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> now you you're know why. Awesome. <laughs> you're awesome. Yeah. Oh, you're of, awesome. Most of what I watch is something I've already seen because I have to work like all the time on something. Yeah. So, and I never put on anything new because then I'm going to want to sit and watch it. So that's, that's very true. Do you, are you able to write and have the TV on at the same time? Oh yeah. Oh, you can. Okay. Yep. The only thing I can't write and do is like have people talk to me because that's like something that I have to engage in. If something's just playing, I don't really have to pay attention. I can tune it out. But if I have to respond, then I can't do that. That's the only situation I can't write in. Well, right, because that's active instead of passive listening. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And, and plus, if you're watching something that's familiar, your brain already knows the dialogue. Exactly. And it knows the situation, so yep. you don't have to pay attention. Yeah. yeah. It's like a friend's in the room, That's, but a friend that's not going to bug the shit out of you. <laughs> you know? Right. Because for some yeah. reason, I, and I don't care how um, considerate or sweet you are, Nobody really takes writing as a serious job or yeah. editing mm -hmm. because people will see me at my computer. They know that I earn money doing this. There's evidence all around me because I pay bills. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and yet it doesn't matter because I'm at home and I'm in my pajamas and I'm on my laptop. That's not like a company laptop to any company. And they don't register it as you are working. So I always want to go to like my friends that, you know, go into an office and just start talking to them just to see how they like it. Yeah. A little role reversal would be nice. But people don't take you seriously. If you're self-employed, they just automatically think that exactly. if they want to talk to you, <laughs> then you can just stop working and do that. Exactly. And I don't know too many people that pay their bills that way. <laughs> It drives me crazy. It's like, I know you see me working because right. you're talking to me. So I know you see me. So just, and even if I say, can you give me a minute? I'm in the middle of something No. Right. Yeah. Be because it's just like, oh, you're just, you know, you're just on your computer. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if you feel the same way as an editor, uh, as you might as an author, but when you're writing, you get in a zone and you yes. can be writing for hours and have no yep. concept of the amount of time that's passed or what time of day exactly. it is. Exactly. And yep. you can't do that if people, uh, you can't just fall back into the story. You need to have that. You need to be able to ride that train. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I'm going to start going to people's offices now and just interrupt them. <laughs> my environment will show up in my first draft. <laughs> Say someone interrupts me. Then you'll then I'll come across a sentence that doesn't make any sense. Yes. Like Harry was walking past the mailbox and get that chicken off the counter. I told <laughs> you to put it in the refrigerator. <laughs> and it's like, what? <laughs> oh, that's when Jordan came in and okay. Oh, do yeah, you do so. do you uh, do you like <laughs> audio writing? Uh if somebody if I respond to someone while I'm writing, I tend to type it. Out. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it doesn't even have to be me dictating. It's just regular me writing. And I'm like, yeah, blah, it's over there on the left. It won't make any sense. Oh, but, yeah. that's funny. <laughs> have you tried to, to write by dictation, though? Have you ever given that a shot? Yes. Um, one of my, my writer friends, Nori, uh, got me as a gift because she knows I have the, the carpal tunnel really bad. I had to have the surgery on my um, left 
riff. That's right. So I have this software and yeah, it's, it's a lifesaver. I, I recommend all writers, um, do it to some extent because just cause it'll save your, your risks because we're all at risk for developing carpal tunnel and, the software is so sophisticated. You have to, it takes time to get used to. And there are some things I still can't bring myself to do. Like if it's a sexy scene. Oh yeah. I, I just, I can't. <laughs> just, just put on I, some Isaac Hayes and, you know, and, you know just move your hips. And... <laughs> That's the only thing I haven't been able to dictate, but yeah, it learns with you. Um, you can add vocabulary. You can feed vocabulary into the program. So I I think every writer should look into doing that some of the time at least. Do just you, to save your save your hands. Yeah, and that is a very, very important thing. Um now when I handwrite music on staff paper versus playing it on a keyboard or on bass mm-hmm. or, or drums or anything, I find that I tend to write differently in, in a different style than I do. Uh, did you find that there's any differences in the way you write when you're dictating versus typing? I, I, I'm more technical when I'm dictating Hmm. because for some reason it's harder for me to, to see what I'm writing when I'm talking. I don't know why. If I can just sit at the keyboard and zone out and type a little here, stop, see it type a little more i feel like there's more pressure dictating yeah i, <laughs> I can feel understand like that sitting there waiting for me like hello yeah so i'm i'm more technical and i have to go back and, and add life into the writing when i dictate but still saves me having to type some things you know yeah sure i mean i, I my brother uh, started writing his first book that way and, yeah. uh, you know, you can, you can get up and you can move around and, yeah. you know, to, to the extent of the, you know, however long the, the cable is, but you, right. you tend to think differently when you're physically interactive. If you're moving around and you're moving your hands and you yeah. know, you're stomping around the room or whatever, your brain just reacts and works differently than it does <laughs> if you're sitting and typing. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. So I, so you'll continue to do that then from time to time? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Very because cool. I have a lot less. I have a lot less pain. Yeah. So I don't have to go like days without writing because I'm in pain because I'll just dictate for a certain number of hours. Sure. And especially if you have deadlines, it's really good to have a backup system. Now, did the, did you find that the surgery helped? No, I'm really pissed about it. Oh no. Like it's, it's, I'm still in pain. It's just a different kind of pain. It's not nerve pain. It's like throbbing pain. Which is better. (laughs) (laughs) you know it doesn't really and you know i was just i knew that there was some risk that the surgery wouldn't help all that much but it it was to the point where i had to do something so you know i just i at least i can feel my fingers so i try to look on the bright side it wasn't a complete waste <laughs> yeah i mean at least there was some element of improvement for your for yeah. your quality of life you know yeah yeah, for sure. But I'm glad that we live in a, a time of great technology where we have the ability to dictate instead of uh, the yeah. old ways, which would have been uh, talking into a tape machine and oh, then having yeah. to pay a typist to transcribe that for you. Oh, God. Yeah. On Ooh, carbon yeah. paper. 
Yeah. My mom did that. She uh, she worked for a court reporter who oh, uh, really? and, and I don't know if you've ever seen the actual like printout of what a court reporter typed. And this was back in the eighties, but uh, right. it's, it's really, it doesn't make any sense unless you know that language. So right. she would, uh, the court reporter would dictate, she would, she would transcribe at court. She would go home with this big stack of, of really thin paper and dictate uh-huh. it all into a tape machine and then bring the tapes to my mom who would spend the day typing up the court transcription. And then she would come and pick it up at the end of the day or in a couple of days or, or whenever, uh, and oh, I used wow. to proofread it for her. So oh. it, it was this whole process. And nowadays, of course, they just record everything onto a, like a, an right. SD card, pop the SD yep. card into the computer, and then you just review it to make sure it, it read everything yeah. properly. It's yep. so different now. But yeah, it's it's a whole nother world. You would have to pay a typist on top yeah. of everything else. Yep. And our money needs to go to advertising. Yeah. And it's, it's so much money to do this. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. I'm still not used to just the amount of money that you have to, you know, fork over to do this. And some days it's just like, no. Right. Yeah. I well, don't want to. Well, I mean, it holds projects up because if you can't afford all the costs of the project, right, then you kind of yeah. have to wait until you can. So exactly. You know, yeah. It, it really is. As, as an artist, that's probably the, the one of the most difficult parts to me. Um, yep. Is having to hold a project of creation back for any reason whatsoever. Exactly. But you got to do it because I, I used to be like, well, you know what? I'm just going to skimp on this part or whatever. And it's never a good idea. Just you might as well not publish if you can't do it right. Just don't do it because it's just like not publishing anyway. If you can't afford your marketing not be published. <laughs> I think it depends on the on the reason you're doing it. Like if you're just doing it because yeah. it's fun and you want to put a book out and you don't really have the aspiration sure. of, of, of hitting a, a level or having a goal, then that's For fine. Sure. But if you, yeah. yeah, I mean like people like you and I, we want people to experience the things that we create. We want to right. reach people and touch their hearts yeah. and their souls. And you right. know, whether it's a, a story of a dark murderer or <laughs> you know, something like Fluffy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. Speaking of of just dark, uh, I loved your book, Silenced. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I think that was the first one of yours that I read. And I'm like, here's this sweet, lovely Natasha, my friend. And I read this and I'm like, (laughs) I don't even know who you are. It was brutal. Most people, if you have a a writer friend and you're, you're accustomed to them being a certain way. Yeah. You probably yeah. shouldn't read their books because you're going to be like, what the? <laughs> I was editing. I was editing recently. Um, I don't want to say her name because I don't know if she, but she's just the sweetest. Um, just a, a genuinely nice person. She's the kind of person that never assumes anything bad about anyone always has a positive word to say and she sends me a manuscript <clears throat> and it's uh, erotic romance and whole oh my god i was blushing i was <laughs> like i, I don't want to say your name but i was yeah. saying her name over and over like oh my god i can't believe you wrote this so yeah, yeah i i know exactly how you feel <laughs> i mean there's there's you kind of like, you get used to it after no. a while but yeah, yeah. that that yeah. first time is always a real <laughs> shock you know <laughs> 
Definitely. Yeah. But I, I loved the fact that it was, it was just a, a, I love that there was, there was nothing that really seemed to hold you back in telling the story. It was, it was raw. And I don't like everything to be sugarcoated. I, if I want that, I can watch Disney. I can watch plenty of Hollywood films, but I like, (laughs) I like things where I really don't know how it's going to end where I can say, I honestly don't know if everything's going to be okay because now I'm invested as a reader. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's, that's a hard thing for, for beginning authors to, um, to do. And it's the most important you have to put your people through things or nobody's going to give a crap. Like, right. I don't want to, I don't want to read a story about some guy whose life turns out okay most of the time. No, yeah. you got to destroy that fucker's life. Exactly. And, and, I, and not but and not just a little bit. Like every time you think he thinks he's going to triumph, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you got to give him like an inch and then destroy the next 89 feet. Exactly. You know. But <laughs> exactly. I, but that's it. And if you do that in a movie though, you get crucified for not having oh, yeah. a happy ending, but in a book, yeah. You can yeah. kind of do whatever you want. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I unless unless I find that romance readers really need a happily ever after. Yeah. Because um I was told not to market the night as paranormal romance because of the ending. And I was like, well, why? And then, you know, my writer friend showed me the the research. And I'm like, oh, you know what? The most popular paranormal romance books do have happy endings. And yeah. So if you're going to write paranormal romance or contemporary romance, uh, I'm not saying that you can't get away with it, but you're probably less likely to get away with it because I, I really think that that audience wants a happy ending. They want the couple to be together or me. I don't. Not at all. I at least <laughs> don't want to know. Like, I don't want to exactly. be 10 pages in and know how the book is going to end. Yeah. You know, yeah. I like not having a safety net as a reader. Yeah. And yep. uh, that's why I really liked shows like Oz and Lost because you, oh, had, yeah. you, know, you had such a big cast and you right. had, you know, they could disappear main characters right out of nowhere <laughs> because they had the luxury of being able to do it. And yeah. like Game I was saying, of Thrones. I haven't Case seen that, but I've heard it's very oh, similar. Yeah. It's just, they don't care mm-hmm. what they do on that show. They will kill like you know some uh, some shows were like we're we're not going to kill off the the main character you know they'll have like like limits or rules game of thrones doesn't have any you never know who's going to go yeah i love that ever i love yeah. that on the Me edge kind of thing. i mean if, <laughs> if i'm going to invest my time in watching something why would i invest two hours in watching a story i know how it's going to end 10 minutes in uh-huh. You know, yep. give me some reason yep. to get excited and to feel safe. Exactly. That's why I yep. can't buy James Bond because it doesn't matter <laughs> what they do to him. He's going to be fine. So what's there to worry yeah. about? No, nothing. Exactly. Nothing. He always gets the woman. He always gets the job done. So, But you bring up a good point. I think the word romance, whether whether you're associating it with a book or a movie I think mm-hmm. that is just expected, like it's going to be a Hallmark movie, no matter what. Yeah. Everything's going to yeah. be fine, no matter how yeah. many hills they have to climb, they're going to find a well and be happy, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's actually interesting to think that's about. That's why you get a, a series called The Twilight Saga, 
<laughs> right. Where nothing bad happens to anyone because it's paranormal romance. And I'm not, for anyone listening, I'm not hating on Twilight. Right. I've just always found it funny because saga means. <laughs> yes. Yes. Just awfulness. And, you know, you read the series and, and, and it, it, like this, the big thing it ends on is like a conversation. And I'm like, no, that's not a saga. That's. <laughs> yeah. It's just interminable. <laughs> That's why I was glad that in the movie they at least, you know. Well, I gave it a try. Even though they, they kind of copped out and Did like they? nothing really bad happened. Uh-huh. Oh, you haven't seen the movie? I watched a half an hour of the first one, and I really, oh. I really went in with with as open of a mind as I could. I knew it's kind of a, yeah. more of a young adult thing than than my right. age group, but you know, yeah. sometimes it's nice to have a change of pace. And I thought maybe the world that they live in will be interesting or something. Yeah, I just didn't care about anybody. And yeah, if I can't, you really don't. Yeah, there, <laughs> it, it was kind of like when when I read the first Fifty Shades of Grey book. Um, oh. which was, which was, I was asked to by a friend who wanted to just, you know, mm-hmm. didn't have anybody to talk to about it. And they said, would you please read this? Cause I want to talk about it. Yeah. And I didn't give a shit about any of those people. No. I didn't care what happened to them. What I what... only made it to page like 90. Oh, really? Because, and I had to read it just because I needed to know what the fuss was. Cause I, yeah. I read everything. Well, you need to, that's research for you. Yeah. I need to read all the books. And I just, I was sad that it wasn't anything. Well, the hype, the hype hurt it, I think, because yeah. it, it made it out to be so much bigger and, and so yeah. scandalous. And I'm like, there is nothing <laughs> in this book that, you know. And the problem I had with her, is, uh, the character, was that, you know, she's just been spanked like 50 times. And then he brings something else out and she's all of a sudden like, Oh my goodness. Like you can't be innocent anymore. You've given that up. Yeah. Yeah. There were too many things about the series that didn't make sense to me. Like yeah. she's a virgin, but she agrees to be uh, in this kind of relationship, like off the jump. That right. doesn't really sound like a thing that happens. Yeah. And I, I'm a comic book fan, so I will suspend belief, obviously, clearly. Sure for the story but there has to be a story yeah. and for me that there just wasn't one well and he's so young to be in that much power and it yeah. just like that alone was hard to believe but, <laughs> but it's interesting yeah. because i was i was having this conversation uh with my mom recently and i said it's amazing to me that if you go back to movies like star wars or poltergeist uh-huh. we can be given the most ridiculous scenarios. Like there's, there's this, you know, this closet turns into a giant vagina and there's oh, another like yeah. bone creature guarding it. Like there's no <laughs> poltergeist activity in history that's ever had anything remotely like that, but we bought it. Yep. Like they, they gave us a world yep. and we we went along with it and they sold us yep. on it. And, but, yep. but that's it. If the world itself, if you can't believe in the world that you place your characters in, Yep. Then it becomes not a believable situation, whatever yep. you want to do with your characters. And then you don't have anything. I stopped reading a book. I forgot what the book was called. I stopped reading it. Um, not because of any of the fantastical elements. I stopped reading it because it was about a 17-year-old boy that had never kissed anyone. Uh-huh. And I'm sure that that happens. It's just not common enough for me to buy it. And so I just put it away and, and people are like, you, so you, 
your favorite books to read are about a guy that dresses up as a bat. <laughs> but you're not you're not you're not gonna go in for like a guy who hasn't kissed anyone by 17. I was like, nope, doesn't make any sense. And they're like, how well, it doesn't make sense that a guy dresses up as a bat. I was like, hey, it makes sense in that world total sense well see and that's the difference right it, it yep. has to be you can sell me on the world if you make the world that that w- within contained within that universe if you make yep. it believable i'll follow you along anywhere you want to go exactly you know yep. i think that's very very true that's an excellent point now i think that the thing that's always bothered me about batman in, in, <laughs> in not so much maybe the comics because i haven't read a lot of the batman comics but in the movies who is building these cities? Like, how much money do these cities have? And why are there so many poor people with these, there you know, nine hundred foot statues? Yeah, and, you know, yep. how did that? How did they even build that? Yeah, like that's where they start to lose me. Is is <laughs> I, I'm not sold on that world. Yeah, that's just that's just me, and I tend to overthink things. I I have a very hard time shutting my mind off and just going with yeah. the floor. Yeah, me too. So I understand that. Yeah. I thought you might. <laughs> well, how much how much do you spend in pre-planning for your books? Like do you work off of outlines or do you really just kind of here's the idea and I'm just going to start writing and we'll see where it goes? Um honestly, every story kind of has a different process. With the night, it started with that general idea of I want something that ends here. Now, how do I get them here? And I didn't start writing until I had a really good opening line. And then it just all from the opening line just flowed. Um, that almost took me two years to write. And uh, it just, it, I didn't work from an outline. I just kind of just, you know, sat down and whatever I came up with was what I came up with. Um, well, it certainly worked. Gods and monsters had an outline. Is it hard to stick to an outline though? Like when I tried to do that, I would make one change that completely (laughs) obliterated where the story was going. And yeah, that's why I use like a broad outline, like a general, this happens in the beginning. This is the middle. This is where they end up. Mm -hmm. And I don't really, I don't, I don't use detailed outlines because you change one thing, you're going to have to go back and change everything anyway. So, right. Exactly. Yeah. And that, that does become the frustrating part because, and then you're like, but I lost this other story I was telling, right. even though I like this one better for this story, there was yeah. another story that I've just completely thrown away. The best thing about an outline is that it gives you freedom because you're not, you already have an idea. It's like having a map. You know, if you get in a car, you have a map and you're supposed to go somewhere you've never been, you're going to be more comfortable than if you are just expected to get there. Right. So I think, I think you should always try to use some kind of outline just because it gives you so much more freedom. And just because something is in the outline doesn't mean you have to keep it. I think a lot of writers don't like to use outlines because they're like, well, that's just going to take away my creativity. No, Something like an outline can't take away your creativity. If you're creative, you're creative. Sure. This is just trying to teach you a different way to get that creativity down. And if you have a basic roadmap, then that just frees you up and it makes you more productive in general. 
I would agree with that. I think the mistake that I made was that my outline was too detailed. It was, it oh, was yeah. too, if I don't follow it, then this isn't going to work, you know? Kind yeah. of thing. And then I would come <laughs> yeah. up with another idea that would really just make, knock everything else off of that grid. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I've, I've learned to be a little less um, uh, detailed and just yeah. kind of leave that room for letting things breathe and develop as they do. Yeah, that's that's the best way to do it, in my opinion. I think so. Yeah. Uh, an- another book of yours that I read that I absolutely loved was Underground Magic. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and this was, you know, it was really different because your character was really kind of isolated in a way. Yeah. You know, kind of yeah. fighting both sides of, of things at the same time, trying to do the right thing. And I found that she was just... I just wanted to give her a hug and tell her everything was going to be okay. You know, that this yeah. is really a romance novel and it's going to end fine. Yeah. Yeah. But she, she had it rough. Uh, now that was part of a box set as well, right? Um, yes. Uh, I don't remember the box set it was in, but yes. Mm-hmm. Now it when was. you, do you write specifically uh, when you're when you're starting like a story like this, did you write it specifically with the intent of being part of a box set, or was that something that came about later? No, this was a co-authored project, and um, Margot Bond Collins came to me and, and was like, you know, I, I think it would be really cool um, if we worked on something where, um, especially in today's political climate, about um, you know a character that isn't wanted or accepted because of the color of her skin or her sex or something like that. And we were just talking in, in Facebook messenger. Um, and this is months of just throwing ideas out and we came up with all kinds of stuff. And, and I don't remember which one of us was like, well, why don't we, you know, like use some real history and do some kind of version of like a magical underground railroad. And then that was the idea we loved. And, the the offer to have it be in the set came later after it was already um, being written. Yeah, so I didn't when we started it, we didn't know it was going to be part of a box set. So yeah, yeah. It, how did you enjoy the collaborative process? Because when you're writing on your own, it's a lot different than writing with someone else. Yeah. Well, this was um, the way we did it. Is I I wrote the draft and she did the revisions. Okay. So it, it it wasn't really that different. Um it doesn't really get it the it got different after the book was finished and then we had to plan the second book, you know. But initially I just wrote it the way I would write anything else and she would give me notes about any major changes that she had made. And it's, it was kind of uh, a relief, really, because, you know, you have an extra set of eyes um, to go over the story and to catch things and to say, hey, this will work better. You know, I, I really like I really like co-authoring because it doesn't feel like you're out there alone. You know, That's true. Yeah. If this idea sucks going to be you and me together. <laughs> right. And, but we can also, but that's also two minds that can work together to fix it. Exactly. You know, as, yeah. as creatives, uh, and I find this both in music and in, in writing, um, we're very, very isolated. And yeah. it's, yeah. it's kind of that fine line of, I'm only going to show things to certain people that I trust yes. or that I know will be yep. honest with me and not sort yes. of coddle me 
uh, in this right. world of you can't tell anybody anything bad, you know, right. uh, we yeah. need to know if something's off track if, because we won't necessarily see it. Exactly. Cause we're too close to it. Right. Yeah. Do you think that being an, an editor, because you do a lot of editing work as well. Do you think that being mm-hmm. an editor helps you see more as a writer or makes you more open to feedback from your editor? Um, I would like to say yes, <laughs> but, <laughs> but honestly, um, I, I, I still miss things that I am completely, I have no idea how I missed it in my own work. I, and I, it would never happen if, if it was someone else's work. Um, because I, I have a very, uh, a wonderful editor that I've used for all my books and, you know, I'm going through her notes and I'm like, how did I miss all this? And she's like, because it's your own work. And, you know, I'm more open to feedback. Absolutely. Yeah, I yeah, would think so. I still, you still miss just as much. And it's still hard to hear, though, that, you know, it, yeah. you would think after so many books that, you know, okay, I'm going to send this one through and they're going to be like, hey, this is great. I only had to change a couple yeah. of commas. No, it's, yeah, it's, it's not going I keep waiting for that moment. And I really thought I got there with Gods and Monsters because I was like, oh, I've been working so hard. You know, I've studied this book and this book and this book and this book and I revised it and I revised it and I self-edited. And then the notes come back and there's so many and I'm like, well, what the fuck? <laughs> Are you trying to tell me that I still can't write? And I, I found myself getting angry. And then I go through and I'm like, oh, she's right though. I have to fix this. And I just, I don't, think it'll ever happen for me personally. <laughs> well, I don't I don't think it's a bad thing though because I think no. what's what's happening is that you're just you're you're focused on the creative aspect of it and you know somewhere right. in the back of your head that you have yeah. that safety net that you have someone that's going to let you know if if anything's off. Yeah. Um yeah. but it also just frees you up to to work on the creative and not be encumbered by details that may not matter all the time. Yep. You know. Yep. Absolutely. But it is frustrating at the same time to get those notes. Like I, I love my editor. She's amazing. And she's <laughs> brutally honest, which is exactly oh, yeah. what Mine I need. Too. Because when I edit it for her, I, if, you know, if we're going to put out work into the world, we want it to be the best it can be. And you're yeah. not going to get there if people aren't honest and you don't hear the things exactly. that are, are wrong. So, I mean, yep. it's, it's all then in how you deliver it, right? Like you could be yes. a dick about it or you could be nice about it. Um, yep. And, uh, She's very nice about it, but she, but like, sometimes like I see the amount of highlight that I get back on my chapter and I'm just like, but there's so much yellow. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. she'll, she'll even forewarn me. She's like, there's a lot of yellow, but. Yes. I do that with clients as well, because I find that the, that you'll freak out. And I'm like, no, this is not a bad thing. Right. It just can be discouraging yeah. when you open the chapter and oh, you yeah, see all that definitely. and you're like, I'm yeah. just going to stop writing this right now. Exactly. Because that's the point as a writer where, where you just don't want to be a writer anymore. You're like, yeah. you know what? Fuck that. Mm-hmm. I spent all this time on this. I'm done. And that's, I think, I think that's why it's hard to be an editor because. <laughs> well, you don't want to discourage <laughs> Because people. by the time a writer is sending you something to edit, they just want it. In their mind, they just want it to be published already. They've right. gone through all the glory of the, the writing process, and they're so proud. 
And they don't really want to think about there's more work to be done. I just want to have fun. I want to do my cover reveal. Yeah. This and this and that. I want to get some good reviews. And then you got to send them like all these notes. And you know, some part of them is like, you know, fuck you. Yeah. And the biggest fear is that it's going to be something (laughs) that, right. But it's going to be something that you're going to have to rewrite the entire book because one little thing changes it all, you know? Yep. But I think, but it's great that, that you can do both sides and that you do have good relationships because that is important for an editor and an author to have a good, uh, a really good rapport. Um, Yeah. It makes those tough decisions or those, those battles when you just completely disagree with each other, a lot easier to tolerate uh, because you're really working, both working for the interest of of the story and for what the reader experience is going to be. Yep. Now, do you find it? I mean, like, I, yeah, I agree with you. I love the creative process. And then there's the, okay, now here's all the post-writing stuff I have to do or the post-creative yeah. stuff. I have to do. And it does yeah. get a bit daunting at times. Um, oh, yeah. But how do you find your balance between writing versus all of the other stuff? Because obviously, as soon as you're done, you want to be starting on your next book. Exactly. You yeah. know, how do you, how do you balance that time? Do you kind of do a little bit of marketing and start the next book so that you've got at least some of that fun, creative stuff going? I try to do, um, I work in blocks. Um, so I'll block off a half hour to just write new stuff. So I don't drive myself crazy. I'll block off an hour to revise. Okay. Um, and I'll block off another hour to work on somebody else's book. And then I'll block off a few hours for marketing. And for me, that's the only way I can do it. I can't, um, you know, I've put myself in situations where I've had to revise my own work like all day to make deadlines. And I just won't do it again because it makes me hate writing and it makes me hate whatever I'm working on. And I just want to stop the series right then. And it's natural but you have to find a way to like trick yourself into, into, cause you have to do it. If you're yeah. serious about your writing, you have to do it. Absolutely. And, and it, it would be nice if it was just all fun and we, we started doing it because yeah. it's something we enjoy, but if you want to exactly. continue to do it or do it on yeah. that professional level until you get yeah. to the point where you can hire people to do all that stuff for you and just consult. Exactly. You, um, yep. you gotta, you gotta grind it out. You gotta, it's the, me and rainy. My writer wife, we call it the grunt work of writing. Yes. And it's, it always is easier if you have someone to do it with you. So, you know, I'll send her my work and I'll let her, you know, ew, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Here it is. And I'll do the same with hers. Right. And we have a type of relationship where we, we can talk shit. You know, like, I, I, I won't just say this is, you should do this. I'll be like, what the fuck? did you do here? Right. Yeah. (laughs) And it's fun. It's fun. I know I can't do that with everyone. Well, sure. Obviously. (laughs) Because we are incredibly close, but things like that, if you can find someone where you could have that kind of relationship Mm -hmm. with them, um, it makes it so much easier. You it know? does. And, and it really makes yeah. the, just the, the difficult parts of the process. If we, you know, do get through the yeah. stuff together and then we can go back yes. to the fun stuff and because it, it makes yeah. it easier knowing that you have somebody with you through the dark. That times. understands. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yep. absolutely. 
Well, I'm I'm really excited. I mean, I just I love you put out a lot of work. And I yeah. and that means that you're <laughs> always working on something, you're always creating. Um, and that's something that not a lot of people do. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I've never really experienced myself uh, issues with writer's block, but that seems to be something a lot of people really do suffer with. Is there yeah. is there times where you just really want to write, but you sit down and there's just nothing there? Not anymore. Um, <clears throat> and, and, and again, I think it's just a matter of practicing. Um, there are times where... Um, No, I can't say um, recently that there's ever been a time. Every time I want uh, that, I want to write. I, I, unless I have to do something else, I'm able to write. Um, but there, obviously, in the past, have been times, and I've always remedied that with reading. If you read something great, it makes you want to write something great. It never fails for me. Like if if I cannot write or I'm just not into what I'm writing, or I'm just like, eh, you know, you pick up something that, because all all writers want to be a writer because some books set them on fire. They're like, oh, this is the most amazing thing that's ever happened to me. Pick that book up and read it. And that's why, that's why every writer out there worth their salt anyway will tell you that you absolutely cannot be a writer, a good one, unless you are a reader. You have to be a book lover. It's just true. Um, anytime I don't want to write or I feel like I can't write, if I read a good book, problem solved. That's interesting. And it's not even work, really. It's, it's, oh, well, I have fun. writer's block. And sometimes I'll be like, yeah, I have writer's block. I better go read. <laughs> well, but but knowing having those mechanisms that you know how yeah. to get past any challenges, though. I mean, that mm-hmm. that's. I don't know if it's something that people maybe. I think writer's block a lot of times is fear. Yeah. Oh, more yeah, so that's than true. just lack of creativity or or. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've gone through moments where I I'm not sure where I want to go next. Like whether yeah. you know, I don't know what where what I want to happen to these characters or whether I want you know what I want to happen to this piece of music. And I might yep. set it aside, but there's a difference between that and just sitting down and just dry heaving and going, uh, you know, yeah, I, yeah. that I've never experienced, but I know that that is a real thing, but it, it just seems to me that that might be more either like a fear or a lack mm-hmm. of confidence yeah, than actual yeah. like lack of ability to create. Sometimes when I can't write, it's because I don't want to write what I'm about to write. <laughs> And usually it's something that's like really messed up. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just, I'll write around it. <laughs> I'll write under it. Really? Yeah. I just, um, I know that you have to put your characters through things, but sometimes I just don't want to, you know, I feel like, you know, yeah, you didn't do anything to me. I had a blast with you up until this point. I have to do this. And I don't really want to. And, <laughs> yeah, I can and see that. And if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it as, as to the best of my ability. So if I'm going to rip out your heart, I'm going to try to, you know, stand out from, you know, make it a special heartbreaking experience for you. <laughs> and you do it and you pull it off in spades. Let me tell you, there were several times when I'm reading your work where I'm just like, I can't believe... She just did that, but she just yeah. did that. 
you know, it's, but I love that. I love those shocking things. With the night, especially. And I remember talking to Rainy about this. She was just like, just do it. 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 And I was like, I'm not going to do it. You know what? I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And she'd be like, just do it. You're going to do it. Just do it. Just do it. And for days we'd do that. And I'd be like, well, I did it. So now here's your job. You can go edit it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You get what you, what you asked for. Yeah. Yeah, But I could see her doing that because she's, she's very much the same way. She's, she pulls no punches when it comes to characters going through situations. (laughs) Yeah. That's her specialty. In my opinion. (laughs) Have you guys co-written anything together? We have. And I think we're going to publish it soon. Oh, good. So, yeah. Yeah. I I would love to see what your two minds merge together. Oh, God. (laughs) Can come up with. I think that that's going to be a fun adventure. (laughs) It's something. Yeah. She she actually had to rein me in. Really? Which I was surprised about because she's the dark. Between the two of us. I would consider her darker. Uh-huh. Uh, but she had to bring me in um for a moment in this book because it's um trying to tell it's it's not really dystopian, but it is um maybe supernatural horror. Okay. And I and you know, I wanted everything to be as messed up as it could be, and I think I took it too far. Wow. Which and, you know, I think that if you're going to do something, take it too far instead of not far enough, because it's easier to rein something in than to, you know, spice it up. True. And she was like, yeah, we're going to have to just edit some of this out because no. <laughs> I was like, huh. I thought, I thought that was going to be my line to you. Right. Yeah. If, but... <laughs> if she's putting up a barricade, it must have been something pretty serious is all I can yeah, say. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oops. But you know, it it was it was said to me fairly early on um, that it, it you should just take everything you want and put it mm-hmm. in there. You can always yep. take things out, but you're not likely exactly. to add things back in. Exactly. So take it to how whatever extreme because you can always dial it back later. Yep. Yep. But it's hard to get back in that zone if you if you say I didn't take this far enough and you go yeah. back in to do it. It's really hard to pick up. It that really vibe. is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you on that. It's easier to sit down and go, whoa, whoa, let's, you know, Mm -hmm. let's calm this down. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah, I'm so excited uh, for your new book to come out. I'm just, you know, every time that you release something, I'm just so happy because I know that it's something that makes you happy. And I know that people will love it because you're a really talented writer. And thank you. keep not caring where that line is. Somebody said to me once, they said, you know, Scott, it's not that you don't know where the line is. And it's not even that you cross it. It's that you throw up on it. (laughs) And I thought, wow, that's, uh, that's, it's well, you know, yet I write relaxation music. (laughs) So got it. Very well. Thank you. I have to balance it out somewhere, all that dark horror and hatred. (laughs) But that's why I do like the Haunted Holidays albums, right? So I can have like my dark side and then I could do the relaxation music and and help you get to sleep after I've ruined your childhood. Oh, definitely. Definitely. (laughs) I mean, because at that point you owe it to us. Well, yeah, I I have to make up for it somewhere. (laughs) So so like I said, the new book comes out on March 22nd, but is it available for pre-order now? Yes. It is. Okay, great. And Mm -hmm. so we'll have those links in the show notes. 
And uh, now I, we'll, we'll have your links in there, but where is the best place to communicate with you? Where do you like to have your fans be? Ooh, Facebook usually, because I, I, I like to, I'm very casual and laid back. So, and to me, email's too formal and I'm never really on Twitter, but you know, I, I communicate with my fans best through just my profile on Facebook because it, it just feels like, you know, we're just chatting, yeah. you know, it's cause it's always been hard for me. Like when, when someone comes at me, like, um, like they're a fan, it's hard for me to accept that I have any fans whatsoever. Cause it's just, I don't know what to say. Oh, I love this book. And I'm like, Oh, yay. <laughs> But like, like some people, some people think that I'm I'm a much bigger deal than I am, and I I that's you know I like to send all the gifts and Facebook and like make it casual. So definitely Facebook. Or maybe you're bigger than you think you are. No, no. <laughs> well, you've always stayed humble, and that to me is a is is an important thing. But doesn't it yeah. feel good though when somebody approaches you and you know that you've created something that connected with somebody? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Because I mean, that's that's why you publish. You publish right. for other people. You write for yourself, but you publish. Yes. For everyone else, yeah, that's so a definitely. very, very important distinction, I think, and, uh, and yeah. a great note to end this on. Actually, I, I think that's a that's a fantastic uh, observation right there. Uh, so, yeah, check in the show notes for the links and uh, follow Natasha. She's absolutely a wonderful writer. If you like it dark and honest and and gritty, uh, definitely check her work out. And uh, but just be ready for a bumpy ride because it's there are no lollipops in your world. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're someone is choking someone with one. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I, I'd have to agree. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, <laughs> Natasha, for coming on the show. Always enjoyable to interact with you. And uh, it's nice to hear your voice. You too. Thank, thank you, you for having me. Absolutely. Take care and come and see us again. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Yeah, she's just awesome. How can you not love her? She's so sweet. She's so talented. She's humble about it. Uh, I I think a lot of times artists don't really realize the impact that they have on people. And uh, I only find out from from people telling me your word of mouth that they even listen to what I do. Um, So it's it's great to know that people have an impact and that you as an artist have an impact on people. Uh, So thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. Again, uh, go to the link of the Facebook page and like that page and you'll be entered into the drawing for the flash drive of all five Mental Sauna albums. Remember to subscribe to the podcast, whether you're on Podbean or iTunes. It looks like they've taken the uh, thing away from the player, but I did reorder the episode so the newest one comes up first. Yay! Have a great week and we'll see you next week, everybody. Thank you.